Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. your Bibles out, all right? Grab your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, there is one in the pew in front of you, and if you use that, it's on page 1157, okay, 1157, and uh, if you prefer to use a digital Bible, you can do that as well. My desire is just that you would have your eyes on scripture because as I want to make clear it doesn't matter what Matt's opinion is it doesn't matter what your opinion is what matters is what God has already said and we want to elevate the word of God and the truth of the word of God above any of our own perceptions and allow God to work through that in our lives Galatians chapter 5, and um, before we read this text, we're going we're gonna to look at two verses today, uh, verses 16 and 17, but before we read that, we need to go over our memory verses, and um, this is, this, these are building, you're going to end up with eight by the time we get to the end of this series. So we're going to review uh, three, and we're going to add a new one today for number four, and uh, I, my prayer is that you're working on these And uh, this has become a neat part of our home time where we sit around the table or before bedtime and we'll just go through these scripture passages as a family. It's really easy to do. And I was reminded yesterday as we were driving, and I say this as a challenge to all of you as it was a challenge to me, um, my four-year-old son is sitting in the back seat of the car with his pocket New Testament. He does not know how to read. And what was he doing? He was quoting these verses from memory because he knew this was God's word and he knew he was holding a Bible. And so even though he couldn't read it, he was reciting the words that we were going over as a family. And I went, there is evidence that it doesn't matter how young or old you are, you can internalize the word of God. And may we take that as a challenge. It was a huge challenge to me uh, to take the time to do that. And that's where our first passage that we want to work on comes from. Let's say this together. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Now, here's the thing. Let's try it. Okay? You ready? Here we go. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Well done. Good work. Okay, next one. Here we go. Let's say this together. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1, 19 through 20. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been working on this one because I memorized it in a different translation. So, we're going to try this. I may fumble it because I memorized it previously. Okay? All right? Here we go. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to speak and slow to anger for the does not produce the righteousness. Okay, we got some work to do. That's okay. All right, where's it found? James 1, 19 through 20. Here's a little challenge for you, okay? If you can memorize the book and chapter that a verse is in, it is immensely helpful. And I'll have people sometimes come ask me, how do you get to a point where you can just go to places in Scripture in conversation? And one of the things that I personally set out to do uh, when I started through Bible college was I said, if I can just know where the book and the chapter of a verse is, I can always find it. And so a little challenge to internalize scripture, to know where to come back to, work on that. It's good to make sure we memorize specific passages, though, too. All right, this one from last week, as we talked about patience and the tolerable sin that we have of impatience. Let's say this together, okay? Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14, okay? Uh, This is a newer one, so let's repeat it. And then we'll go back and I'll eliminate it and we'll say it again together, okay? You ready? Here we go. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. All right, we're going to say it, okay? Here we go. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalms 27, 14. Okay, great. All right, and this new one today, I'm going to give you a week to work on it. Um, This is in our text today. Let's say this together. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. Father, as we internalize these truths and as we look at this specifically today, may you open our eyes to see where there is sin that we are tolerating in our own life. May we recognize there is redemption in Jesus' name. And may we pursue holiness as our aim for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daniel Angst, uh, in a secular article called Who's in Charge Here? wrote, life in modern Western cultures is like living at a giant all-you-can-eat buffet, offering more calories, credit, sex, intoxicants, and just about anything else one could take to excess than our forebearers might ever have imagined, with more possibilities for pleasure and fewer rules and constraints than ever before, the happy few will be those able to exercise self-control. As we've been going through this series and talking about tolerable sins, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, a little side note there in Scripture, there's no such thing as a tolerable sin. But the reality is we often get to a place in our lives where if we step back and look 
there's a lot we become prone to tolerate and go, this is okay, because I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, this is okay. Or we compare with someone else and we say, well, I'm not, I'm not as bad as this, so it's okay, I can tolerate this. And as we've been walking through, I, really at the end of the day, what I want you to grab hold of is that our aim must be the holiness of God. And when we stop and think about that, if you hear that statement and you go, Pastor Matt, are you kidding me? The holiness of God? Really? Uh, Welcome to the church. Where the aim is something, A, we cannot do of our own power. Yet, B, we are called in God's word to Constantly pursue. This is our aim. To be more and more and more like Jesus, who though he was in the form of man, lived a sinless life. And yet, in the midst of that, I want to also preface and say, some of you are sitting there going, okay, you're setting the bar at the highest level possible. You're correct. That's because that's where scripture sets the bar. Uh, What happens when I continually fail to achieve that? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is why a constant rhythm of confession and repentance and seeing my sin, turning from my sin, should be the practice in our daily lives as the church. It cannot be something that we just do at random when we have a time of confession and repentance at church. It should not be something that we schedule and go to someone else and sit there and confess and go, Ooh, okay, I'm glad I did that. Check the box, move on. Rather, when we truly see that the holiness of God is what we pursue, the holiness of God is what we're driving for and pursuing after, that daily we step back and we remind ourselves once more of our need For God's grace that has been given to us in Jesus' name. And then we move forward on a mission to live and be exactly who God has called us to be. Listen to what Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says. And we just quoted 5, 16. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Everyone say opposed. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, to put some clarification here and some emphasis on who is this even written to. This is written to the church. Everyone say the church. So Paul is writing this to a group of people who say, I follow Jesus, and he specifically, I encourage you, this week, read through all of Galatians. It's not a long read. Start at the beginning, read through it, maybe a couple times, and see the whole of Paul's letter, because when we get to this, these New Testament books, uh, Romans, all the way through, Uh, These are letters that are written to churches or to individuals. And so if you get a letter in the mail and you open it, you probably don't read one or two sentences and then put it away. Why? Because it's a letter. We are really bad about this oftentimes in the church. 
where we like, we like this idea of I'm going to take one little verse that I like that communicates to me what I want to hear and I'm going to make that what I focus on. And then this other thing that I really don't want to talk about, well, I, you know, I'll take the verse that I like. This is what we really do. So I challenge you, read through the whole because this is a letter and what Paul is writing about is here is a group of people that claim to follow Jesus that are being tempted to revert back to their old way of thinking. They're really having a strong pull specifically back to a Judaism type way of living, which was under the law. And the law gave all these rules and regulations. Well, why would they want to go back to that? The reason is because rules are easy to follow. Give me a checklist. How many of you are my checklist people? Yep. Uh, Give me a list of things so I know when I have achieved what I'm supposed to. And yet, in Christ, there is a new covenant where Jesus fulfills the law. And then the call on the church becomes to be the bride of Christ, to be more like Jesus and less like our flesh. And so Paul is writing to remind them and encourage them they are free in Christ. They've been set free from the bondage of the law. They have freedom to live in the way God is calling them to in Jesus. And in the midst of this, he says, in contrast to how you might have been told to live, I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, there's two specific observations in this text that I want you to sit with. The first one is this. I cannot serve the desires of my flesh and be devoted to the Spirit of God at the same time. I cannot. Verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The two are not compatible. Jesus actually emphasized this in the Sermon on the Mount in the first seven chapters of Matthew, where he talks specifically about money. And he says, you can't serve two masters because you'll either be devoted to one and despise the other, or you'll serve the one you'll hate the other. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. But this, it goes even further into what Paul's writing to the church of Galatians and saying, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. And to take it a step further, they aren't compatible. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Now, here's the thing. We often recognize this truth when it comes to things like sexual immorality or covetousness. Or what we might identify as the big sins. And we go, well, yeah, I, I, you know, if you, if you live in the desires of your flesh, you can't serve the Lord. But we often tolerate other desires of the flesh. Gluttony, materialism, media, drunkenness. All of these entities. And honestly, church family, we don't like to talk about them. And so what do they become? They become tolerable. 
And when I started prepping for this message, I thought I was going to focus specifically on gluttony and drunkenness together. And as I studied this more and I dove into scripture more, what I realized is those are symptoms of a broader problem. And the broader problem is self-indulgence. That's the tolerable sin. And the antonym, the opposite of self-indulgence is what? Does anyone know? Deny self, but it's more specific in the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Everyone say self-control. So if the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, then the fruit of my fresh, flesh, the fruit of my flesh, the fruit of my flesh, the opposite of self-control is self-indulgence. Which, when you put that category on it, Extends to so many things. This is something that we in the Western church seem to be leery of talking about. But we must. The second thing in this that I want you to grab hold of is the number one way to combat the desires of the flesh is to walk by the spirit. You might look at this text and go, well, Matt, I could have pulled that out of there. Exactly. And honestly, I love when Scripture just is clear. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Matt, I'm struggling in this area, and I just know it's my flesh, and I'm giving into my flesh, and I'm pursuing this. What do I do? Walk by the Spirit. What is the Spirit of God calling you to in opposition to what your flesh wants to do? Because verse 17 says, The Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Why? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. (laughs) So in other words, he's saying, We know that you want to do these things. We know. But the Spirit is opposed to the desires of the flesh. Uh, A couple notes on this. When it says walk by the Spirit, it's active, not passive. There is no such thing as a spiritual wheelchair. Okay? You cannot sit down and wheel your way through spiritual growth. It cannot happen. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's the second entity in this. When I walk, I make an intentional choice to move from one place to another. No one gets to the place that God wants them to be by accident. We cannot sit back and expect to grow to be more like Jesus. The Spirit of God, the desires of the Spirit are leading you towards holiness. That's the target. The holiness of God. While the desires of my flesh are leading me to what seems to bring me earthly happiness. There's a difference. Huge difference. I'll say it again. The Spirit of God is pointing me back to the holiness of God. 
And my flesh is pulling me back to earthly happiness that I think will suffice a yearning and a desire that can only be fulfilled in Christ. Now, one might ask, what are these desires of the flesh? Well, if you look ahead a couple of verses, in verse 19 of Galatians 5, it says, we, now the works of the flesh are evident. And there's a whole list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. We could put a lot into that things like these category. One example of that that we actually see talked about in Scripture is the sin of gluttony, which gluttony is just a big word for eating too much. That's a big problem. I confess in my own life that has been a big problem. And I have called, I've, asked people, I've asked my elders to walk with me in this accountability journey. Because it's frustrating. Why is it a problem? Because when I get stressed, I turn to something that gives me a moment of comfort. Self-indulgence. Because in the moment, it's easier for me to turn to something that would bring a momentary instant resolve of comfort where I'm distracted from what I'm struggling with, rather than turning to the God of all creation who knows the plan and purpose for my life. Whew. That's hard. But we cannot deny that this is a problem because Scripture calls it out. In fact, in Proverbs 23, it says, Hear, my son, and be wise. Direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards and among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. (laughs) Now, in the midst of this, I was writing this down, and uh, so the question that came to my mind, and I know some of you would be asking this question, when we think about self-indulgence and all that comes alongside of that, the route we could end up going is what's called asceticism. How, How many of you have heard of asceticism before? A couple of you? So asceticism was this ancient practice where people would, it's actually really common in Buddhism, Hinduism, in Islam, in some Jewish circles, some Some people who claim to be Christians practice asceticism. And what it is, is it is I'm ridding myself of anything and everything of the world. So I I become secluded. I don't have any access to anything other than spiritual things. And that's a very broad category. And the problem with asceticism is it tries to give an earthly solution to a spiritual problem. Instead of rooting into the truth of the gospel and depending on the Lord, we depend on our own ability to remove these things from our lives. So here's the question. Do I have to forfeit cake and ice cream for the rest of my life? Somebody says, please say no. (laughs) Do I forego ever going to the movies or being around people who have more stuff than I? Now, if I'm honest, as I wrote this message, I realized it may actually be easier that way. To just remove those things. 
to purge my life completely of those things that take my time, my money, my attention. But there's a better question that we have to ask. And here's the better question. Do these things get in the way of your obedience to God's call on your life? Do these things get in the way of your obedience to God's call on your life? If I spend more time sitting in front of a screen than I do living out what God has called me to, then I'm living a self-indulgent life. If I'm more concerned about the number in my bank account than I am the number of people in my circle who do not know Jesus, I am living a self-indulgent life. If I have overindulged myself physically with food or drink to the point that I am rendered unable to serve and share as God has called me to, I am living a self-indulgent life. We do not stop often enough to think about the seriousness of our choosing our self-indulgent flesh over the leading of God. And I thought, how do we justify this in our minds? And there were several things. My wife and I brainstormed this last night to kind of finalize some of these. And these were what we came up with. And you might have others. This is ways we justify our self-indulgence. Honestly. And I'm guilty of this. I do this. This is something that, once again, as I'm writing this message, I sat at my, I was finishing last night. I'm sitting at my table and my wife just hears me constantly going, oh. And she goes, what? This is so hard. This is so hard. And this is what we say. I've been really good lately. And then really quickly after that, we go to the second one. Because I've been so good lately, I deserve this. I've earned this. Whatever this is. Or maybe it's someone offers me something. Well, you know, it'd be rude for me to turn it down. I've already had two pieces of cake, but someone offered me the rest of the cake to take home. So, you know, and I want you to understand here, okay, this isn't just about food. The reason I talk about that is because that is a huge part in our Western culture that we just become accustomed to. And honestly, that we just skate off and we become hesitant to say anything about it. But there's other categories that fit into this idea of self-indulgence. Now, when we think about these statements, I've been really good lately, and we pair them with Scripture. Scripture actually says we are in a dreadfully bad state. When I think I deserve or earned this, Scripture actually says we deserve death. I can rid my life of all the things I believe are the root cause of my self-indulgence. And yet, if I have not surrendered myself to the work of the Spirit in my life, then I will repeat the same cycles with something else. That is where this becomes more of a spiritual issue than it does a physical problem. Because all of those things that we indulge ourselves in are symptoms of a deeper yearning. And we're looking for something to fill that void. And I'm going to tell you, Scripture says nothing will fill that void except the Savior who came down, died for you, and rose again. That you will have victory over sin and death as He did. 
And there is hope in Jesus. Sadly, though, as Paul identifies actually in Philippians 3, says, many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on what? Earthly things. There should be a contrast that he identifies in verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So how do we do this? Because I've just given you a bunch and you might be sitting there going, Ugh! like I was last night. Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> how do I do this? And there's four, four check marks I want you to think about in application for this as we get ready to close. The first one is simply this. Know what control really looks like. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't look like the person sitting next to you. Because they have their own self-indulgences they're struggling with. Guaranteed. Jesus lived a sinless life. He is our example. That together we're called to strive for. Know what control looks like. It looks like Jesus. So we need to study Jesus. We need to know Jesus. We need to walk as Jesus walked. Seek to obey as Jesus obeyed. And this is exactly what Jesus prayed in John 17. That we would do just that. The second thing is establish accountability guardrails. Uh, many of you may have experienced this where you're driving somewhere and you come to a sharp turn. And what is there along the side of the road? It's a big metal guardrail. And every time I drive past one of those, I think there's a good chance that at some point someone blew through that. And so they... They, they got together and they said, you know what, this is a dangerous place. People are coming around this curve really fast or they're prone to come up here. So what are we going to do? We're going to set up guardrails. You need spiritual guardrails in your life. If you are going to not live in your flesh and pursue self-indulgence, you need to have people you're accountable to. There's several guardrails that we can put up. People, I just said. Places. You may not you may need to not go somewhere because it is a constant issue for you. Someone else might be able to go there, but you might, you, you maybe shouldn't. For example, if you struggle with turning to alcohol to cope with life and you're prone to drink too many, you should not go to the bar and you should have people who can help keep you accountable to that. For example, if you struggle with portion sizes and eating too much, you should probably not go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. And you should have people who help, you keep, help keep you accountable to that. If you are prone to watch too much TV and media, you probably need to get rid of streaming platforms and cable in your home. And you need to have people who help keep you accountable to that. But we can fill in that gap with so many things. The third one would be plans. People, places, plans. Those are your three accountability. Have a plan for how you're going to respond to something. When a temptation comes, how am I going to react? The third one, I, I 
do not like this one. I struggle with this. Learn to say no. Any of you else struggle with saying no? Yeah, a lot of you. I, this, that's hard. And yet, this is a must. There's discipline and self-control and say no. And the fourth one, acknowledge your own weakness and depend on the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then it goes on and says, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to stand up under it. This day, will you choose to walk by the Spirit or walk in your flesh? My prayer is that you would join me on this journey to rid ourselves of self-indulgences we've become prone to tolerate and to pursue the holiness of God, fixing our eyes on Jesus together. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to close with a song. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and Lord, we are... So weak. And we struggle to really come to grips with everything that we are prone to tolerate. God, I pray that you would give us, Lord, a clarity on what it looks like for us to pursue holiness. That we would pursue holiness over just happiness. And recognize the things of this world are temporary and will let us down. That we would pursue that which is eternal. Give us a confidence that's rooted in your word. And Lord, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of your throne. Lord, as you grow and build us as your church, for your purposes, may you be the only one glorified. In Jesus' name we pray.